happening people pete davidson here saturday so it's dfs on the rotobomb podcast that was david bowie with heroes bringing us in and i know i thought that was sort of a fitting song we can be heroes just for one day seems to fit the cause and um a a few words on this slate before we get into it um and actually before we do that a few other words um i have tried very hard uh throughout the course of this season to not spend a lot of time you know, on the monetization parts uh, of Rotobahn. Um, you know, my general feeling is that I'm here to give you guys information, to make you smarter, hopefully, to give you plays that can help you reach your goals, that kind of thing. Um, and I've always felt that spending a lot of time at the beginning and the ending of a podcast is taking us away from our goals. But having said that, there are certain realities that I have mentioned <laughs> uh, here and there throughout the season. Uh, and, you know, Rotobahn costs money. It costs time. Uh, it's something I put a lot of time and effort into, uh, and we do not charge for it. And I'm counting on my listeners, uh, especially the regulars, the people who, uh, you know, take a lot of what we give um, to help back um, at the end of the season. And, you know, we were taking donations throughout the year, you know, for people who've used us in the past, that kind of thing. But the paradigm that I always wanted this, you know, to sort of embrace to whatever, <laughs> um, is that we want to earn it. You know, we don't want to sit here and say, oh, Rotobahn's the greatest thing ever. You pay the money and then you'll find out how good it is. Nah, I'm sick of being told that. And we felt that, you know what, let's prove it. And if, you know, if we do well for people, they'll help us out on the back end. You know, sort of like service and a good meal. You tip your waiter or your waitress. Uh, so, around, you know, towards that end, um, there is a donation button on rotobond.com for those of you who've had a good experience uh, and if you want to have a good one next year uh, donate to the site uh, we're a user supported site and for us to continue to do what we do for me to continue what I do um, you know we're going to need some funding so uh, please consider uh, giving us a donation uh, if you're still sort of wondering how much this season really helped you obviously donations week 14, 15, 16, 17 and at the end of the season those are great too Um, But uh, we are moving down towards the end of the season, and I just want to make sure that everybody knows uh, for Rotobond to continue, we are going to need some support uh, from our users. So once again, thanks for being here. Thanks for supporting us throughout the whole season. Um, And if you want Rotobond to come back big and strong next year, consider uh, giving us some financial support. Again, you will find that on the Rotobond homepage or right at the top towards the right. Uh, You can use PayPal, credit cards, whatever works for you guys. so thank you for your patience. Hopefully that wasn't too long of a screed. Uh, let's get into this DFS because, like, seriously, this is not the easiest slate I've ever seen. I mean, it's easy if all you want to do is feel good about your lineup. I think it's really easy to create lineups we feel good about this week. But as we always say, the pricing is the same for everybody every week. So on a week with great pricing, we need to feel great about our lineup. And we also need to feel great about having chosen the best paths and the only way to really feel good about it is to have walked down most of the paths to sort of test them out which is why we're going to walk the slate to you know just to look at these games individually to make sure that we're really looking at the right places to get involved um, and to make sure we've really looked at all the plays uh, before we start uh, picking and choosing what we really want to play in our lineup so uh, that's what we're going to do we're going to do a slate walk along the way I'm going to tell you what I like um, and you might be able to tell (laughs) losing my voice 
Uh, I did two podcasts on Tuesday and, and then the three-hour show on Wednesday and uh, yelling at the crazy uncles uh, at Thanksgiving and, uh, and at the kids to get them to stop. So between all of that stuff, uh, my voice is a little shot. So uh, I'm not going to keep this short because there's just too much to get into. But if I start losing the voice uh, and it sounds, you know, not the normal dulcet tones that you've all come to know and love, you know, you have my apologies. Um, so this week, really, again, the slate is, uh, I mean, I don't know, I, it's intense. It's uh, just, a, there's a lot to like. And, uh, I, you know, for those of you who may have not caught the article I wrote on EEI today, I think probably that's some of you, um, you know, FOMO is a thing that I'm worried about this week. I think fear of missing out is something you really have to pay attention to when you have a slate like this because, you know, you, you make some good lineups, and if you keep staring at it long enough, you are either going to want to change them or start making more, uh, especially if you're making some game stacks, because there's like seven good places to make game stacks on this slate. Now, I mean, it's fine if you want to sit there. If you can afford to make 40 lineups and then just let the chips fall, God bless you. That's awesome. It's a great week to do that, really. You can have a lot of fun, and who knows, if you, you know, if you can if you can latch on to the right situation, you can make a lot of money. Um but obviously there's there's some serious risk inherent in that. Uh, you make 40 lineups and none of them hit right, uh, you can lose a fairly big chunk of change. Um, you know, for me, sadly, I'm not in a position to throw too much money to the wind, uh, particularly after what Taysom Hill did to my inner child uh, on the Thursday night game uh, on Thanksgiving. Uh, I was walking into the Thursday night game like in a catbird seat. I mean, I was cashing everywhere with my two best players still to go. Uh, on some of the builds, I still had Ridley going. I mean, it's, it looked so good. Um, and I was actually still cashing in almost everything with about three minutes to go in the game. Uh, and then everything just went zero out. Um, I think I hit on, I, oh gosh, I think I, I 40 bucks out of about 180. So I lost some, some pretty good change uh, on the Thanksgiving slate, which would have been fine if I just screwed the pooch. Uh, but I actually nailed everything uh, pretty much, at least, you know, up until uh, the night game. And then that thing just absolutely crushed me. It had Kamara and Thomas everywhere and just, oh, man, it couldn't have been much worse. Taysom Hill just absolutely pissing in my soup. So um, I am not going to be throwing tons of money around on the Sunday slate. Uh, I mean, I'm okay. I still have a bankroll, but... Uh, not what I was hoping for. Uh, anyway, so be careful of the fear of missing out. I think it's important this week to have a strategy. Um, you know, it's a good week to go high risk in GPPs. Just understand that that's what you're doing, right? Um, there's a reason to do it, but obviously there's a downside to it. The upside merits making the choice. Um, and, you know, I think this is a week where obviously our cash lineups and our GPP lineups always look different. I think this week they're going to be looking a lot different. It's just a guess. I haven't done a ton of construction yet. Um, so that's another thing to factor in. Maybe build your cash lineup first and then let, you know, all those plays that didn't, that you love, and there's going to be a ton of them that don't fit your cash lineup. You know, that's a good place to start building some GPPs. Um, and, you know, I think there's a lot of, um, cool builds for large field GPPs this week, which I have not done a ton of this year, uh, but this week I may do a lot of it w with the idea that my goal this week isn't necessarily to be in the green, but it's the goal is to make a lot of sharp plays um, and hope that something hits. I, you know, that may be part of my uh, plan this week. Um, so let's get into this one game at a time. 
and uh, hopefully uh, I can uncover some stuff and just point out the things that I've found uh, to shorten the process you guys are going to have um, once you go through this and start making your own lineups. So here we go. First game up in the docket, Jets-Bengals. And it's a big one, right? I mean, first of all, this is a game where the pace should be good. Both of these teams will run some plays, particularly the Bengals. Um, so it's a positive game pace. Uh, the Jets have been playing at a better pace now that you know they're, they sort of understand who they are and Darnold is Darnold again. Um, I'm not big on Le'Veon in this game, for what it's worth. Um, and it's mostly due to the way they've been being careful with his usage. It's not that Bell hasn't made enough big plays. Obviously, he has not, um, and he hasn't really paid off for his owners. It, you know, there, this is a good situation. If I felt like the Jets were going to give Bell what he deserves, which is 80-plus percent of the juice, I'd be playing him. I'm worried that it's going to be more of a 60%. Uh, and, you know, there's there's too many other good ways to spend my money this week to take a chance on Le'Veon Bell. Uh, you know, Jamison Crowder is priced up now, so he's not a real value at 5600 because you don't get a lot of ceiling with him. He does give you a lot of floor, certainly worthy of some cash consideration. I don't think he's going to make the, the cut to get into my lineup, but he's certainly under consideration. Uh, Robbie Anderson, still priced down at 4800 units. Love him. Um, if I'm getting aggressive in a GPP. Absolutely love it. You could stack him with Darnold, but Darnold's up to 6,100 this week. He's no longer the cheap quarterback uh, we've been getting. Um, uh, Griffin at tight end for the Jets is in play at 4,300. He's a good solid play, uh, but I would I would pretty much leave him to game stacks, um, and I don't think I'd get into him in cash. There's just too many other good ways to spend my tight end money uh, this week. On the Bengals' side, you know, Dalton was priced before he was the starter. So he's 4,700 units. You know, <laughs> it's, you know, look, it's compelling. That's so cheap. Uh, and, you know, the Jets defense, um, really good on the run, really bad on the pass, although, you know, a little bit better recently on the pass. Basically, the, the Jets defense comes down to can they confuse the quarterback? Uh, and Dalton's a 50-50 when it comes to confusing him. Dalton sometimes is good against the Blitz, sometimes it's vapor lock. So it's, um, this game is, a, I think there's a little bit more risk in this game probably than a lot of people are going to see. Part of it is with the weather. Um, it's it's going to be cool with a slight chance of rain and some wind. Uh, I don't think it's reason enough to stay away, but it's something you probably at least want to know about. Um, so on the Bengals side, you know, you know, maybe a GPP lineup with Dalton, maybe mess around with it just to see what you can do with 4,700 unit pricing at quarterback position. Uh, but right now I'm leaning away from it, even though I think it's a good play. Again, the slate, both of the quarterbacks in this game, absolutely usable, probably not going to be using a lot of them because I think there's other things I just like more when it's all said and done. Uh, other things on the Bengals, they're not throwing to their running backs enough, so I'm not even getting into the running backs. Um... Uh, but all three receivers are viable. And I think the one I'm I'm hearing a lot of people who like Auden Tate, and I mean, obviously Boyd is a guy to consider against the Jet defense, uh, although I think there are reasons to not play Boyd against the Jets too because um, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to shake out with who plays where. Uh, but I'm talking about the, the Bengals receivers, not the Jets corners. But uh, I, the, the, the play I really like here is Erickson at 4K. Um, the reason is because I think he's going to, he uncovers quickly, gets a lot of short area targets, and I think the Jets are going to be sending heat at Dalton. Uh, I think the better Dalton plays, the more Erickson's going to get used. Um, so I sort of like him. But all of the Chiefs, excuse me, uh, Bengals uh, receivers are in play. Uh, Boyd at 55, Erickson at 4,000, uh, Tate at 38. Um, 
And then on the Jets side, I didn't mention Demarius Thomas, but he's another good play at 3,600. If you're just looking for a cheap option, uh, you know, he's going to get targets. I, I, you know, I'd say he's about as good as you get at 3,600 if you're talking floor. Uh, now, I don't think he has much ceiling. Um, although, if you watched the Jet game last week, um, it, things were really looking good until Demarius Thomas's touchdown in the first quarter got called back. So uh, there is that. I mean, the Jets did target him. Uh, I think it was inside the 10-yard line on that play. Um, so the Jet Bengal game is really there, and it's it's you know not something I would run away from. I think probably the way I'm going to get involved is with Robbie Anderson, um, maybe with uh, a Darnold stack with uh, perhaps two or three Jets in it, and then something coming back on the other side, and then you know all over this game depending. I like there's almost when you look at the receivers. When you're looking mid-level and down, you can find a price point that works for you in this game, right? Because you go, you know, uh, Crowder at 56, Boyd at 55, Robbie at 48. Um, then you go down to um, uh, Erickson at 4K, Auden at 38, Demarius at 36. With the exception of the, the mid-range in the 4,000s, you got a lot of price levels that all work um, in this game. So, you know, it's a good game to to do your homework on, to know who you like, because there's a lot of ways you could use it from a cost-saving perspective. Um, you know, but again, uh, I think I think my favorite play in this game is actually Robbie, uh, and if I'm using him, it's going to be in GPPs. Um, it, it doesn't have to be attached to Darnold, but the thing is, if Robbie hits, you know, Darnold almost has to hit too. Um, so I think, you know, if I do use Robbie, there's a fairly decent chance I'll stack him with Darnold. Um, now, one way that that maybe doesn't happen is if I decide to pay down a quarterback um, and I can afford Robbie but not Darnold, okay? Um, now, moving down, let's talk about Tennessee and uh, the Colts. And on its face, this game looks slow as hell. I think it may end up being slow as hell. It's worth noting, and the Colts for sure are going to play slow. They don't have their weapons. Uh, the quarterback is not hugely trusted, nor is he 100% healthy. Uh, the, the Colts are going to try to just sneak a win here uh so i you know with the exception of maybe doyle or if you want to play pascal there's really not much in the colts passing game that i want to go anywhere near uh doyle was a lot more interesting before we found we saw some cheaper tight ends popping up uh later in the week um i mean certainly doyle's a good play at 3300 but i think we can find better uh the guy on the colts side that you might want to play is obviously jonathan williams at 5300 um that's a good number this week for a running back uh, unless something changes, and I can't imagine they would go away from this guy when he's playing so well, uh, and they're getting Mac back next week is the word. So my guess is they wear Jonathan Williams out in this game uh, and hope he can lead them to win, uh, the, you know, the way he's done the last couple games, the way he's played so well. So uh, on the Colts side, that's where I'm at. Now on the Tennessee side, you know, I'm not playing the quarter. I'm not playing either one of the quarterbacks in a, in a game that should be at least medium if not flat out slow uh derrick henry in this game he gets his touches and he gets a lot of touches in a game like this which is the reason it's slow so we don't really have to worry about henry and the speed of the game too much um you know he's playable but the thing is he is no longer cheap so now henry when you put him in your lineup he's going to be a big part a big part of what can take you down because if you're 7600 unit running back who does not catch passes if things go wrong you're looking at like 75 total yards no touchdowns no catches that's pretty tough to take you don't come back from that very well so you know i think henry merits some involvement in gpps where you're willing to take a loss 
and obviously the upside's outstanding. I mean, you know, Derrick Henry this week, you know, 0.75 is probably his floor, maybe even lower, but ceiling, his ceiling is three touchdowns, 200 yards on the ground, and you get lucky and he catches a pass or two, you know? Um, you know, big, huge, monster, slate-breaking upside. So um, you need to figure out a way to feather a little bit of Henry in there maybe if you're doing multiple GPPs. Uh, in cash, I would not go within a million miles of him. Um, you know, again, I, I want to increase my odds of winning. I mean, Henry will either win you your cash by more than you need or, he's, or he could kill you. Um, so not a guy I'm looking to use in cash. Uh, other guys I like on the Tennessee side of the ball, um, Janu Smith, now that Delaney Walker is on IR, he should be almost an every down player, if not an every down player. Um, hasn't paid off recently. Nobody's going to be on him. This is the kind of game where Janu Smith, at the end of the day, we could all be going, how did we not play Janu Smith? Um, now, don't see any reason to use him in cash because there's better ways to pay down and, and lift my cash floor. Uh, but I think in GPPs, Janu Smith can be a wonderful combination of helping you get other players into your lineup while maintaining some upside. Um, now, could he end up having to do a lot of pass blocking today, not getting the kind of targets we want, and being a letdown? Yeah. But you know what? If I'm going to get a letdown at tight end, I'd, I'd like to have it at a low, like, 3,300 number. So uh, I think Janu Smith merits consideration in GPPs, not a guy based on this week's, you know, makeup uh, that I'm going to use a lot, um, you know, in cash uh, lineups. Um, okay, so is there anything else we really want to talk about here? Um well, you know, we, back to Janu Smith, it's probably worth mentioning that the, the Colts are a good matchup um, uh, for tight ends. Um, they've given, uh, you know, they're they're definitely on the positive side of tight end matchups. So that's that's worth uh, mentioning as well. Um, let's let's dump down here. Not a lot I like in this game. This won't take a long time, but um, Eagles at Miami. Um, well, actually, you know what? That's not true. There's plenty I like in this game, but the game itself is a little troubling because I just on the Miami side of this game, I'm just worried. I'm worried that they're going to be dysfunctional uh, because their offensive line cannot handle uh, the Eagles' defensive line. Fitzpatrick obviously is a guy where if you just give him a little time, he can do a lot of volume, but when he is under consistent duress, he tends to give it up. Uh, this is a game where a pick six is very much in play, uh, which is a challenging element in that you know, the Eagles defense, I think, is one of the best raw point defenses on the slate, but you got to pay for them. 3600 is an awful lot to pay for defense. Um, so on a week where we're trying to pay down to get some of these great options in, I think you want to keep the Eagles defense in your mind. If you see a way to get to them that doesn't hurt your lineup, I love it. Um, but it is going to be a challenging number uh, to pay for a defense. So, you know, for what that's worth. Um so there's just not much on the Miami side that I really like other than maybe Parker at 5,700 units just to play on the volume he gets at even strength and then the fact that they should be throwing from behind. The problem here is deep targets are going to be tough um, with this offensive line against this defensive line. So factor that in. I don't know how many you know pops downfield they're going to be able to take at Parker. You need time to get that thing set up. Um, on the Eagles side of the ball... Um, Vegas has them at 27-5, and, you know, that I understand the Eagles have been terrible, but when you look at this game, Wentz is going to have time. A lot of the things that have given them trouble are not going to be a factor in this game. He's getting Alshon Jeffrey back. He's getting Lane Johnson back. He's getting Brandon Brooks back on the inside. That's, that's big as well. So, you know, the Eagles are better 
than they were last week and the week before. They're a better team. They've got some of their key players back. Aguilar's back. Uh, the one thing we need to look out for here is um, Zach Ertz, who could sit out with a hamstring. But the thing is, Ertz was priced up at 6700 I didn't really want to pay for Ertz. If Ertz is out, hurts the Eagles. Um, and it probably makes, you know, Miami maybe a little bit more competitive, if, you know, you know, if, if, if this slows down the Eagles' offense at all. But what it does is it thickens the veins, the arteries or whatever, uh, for target distribution. So Sanders would probably get a couple more targets. Um, Goddard suddenly, even though we don't like 4100 as a tight end price this week, he is suddenly in play at that number in GPPs. Um, you know, Aguilar, as much as we are worried about him at 4400 Alshon at 5100 these guys suddenly are really in play. Um, so, you know, Ertz is a guy to watch because the, the, the you know, the target uh, distribution changes drastically with him not in the game, and it opens up some potential opportunity. Um, the one guy in Philly that I really like this week, and, you know, he's in my article this morning if you didn't read it, but it's Miles Sanders. Um, and, look, it's, it's simply a matter of we know the Patriots went out of their way to take him away because they're smart, and they knew he was the one thing where if he got hot, if he started making big plays, the game could get away from him. So they just didn't let it happen. Uh, and then the game flow got away from the Eagles last week. Seattle just crushed them like they weren't even there. I mean, they were just a road apple. Okay, so really, Sanders has been a guy who's killed fantasy DFS folk the last couple weeks. I, you know, only the really, you know, the people with really, you know, with a solid backbone, experience, people who really understand how the game is played, are going to have the guts to go back to Sanders this week after what he's done the last couple. But at 5,400 units against Miami, who just gives up loads and loads of yards um, to running back. In fact, you know what? I put it in my article this morning. Um, I believe it was 176 per game to running back. Something insane like that. Uh, so, you know, Sanders is going to be a core piece for me this week. He, you know, I, it's risky, uh, but it's something I'm probably going to do. I'm probably going to have exposure on him that gets somewhere near the 50% area. Um Next game on the docket, I am literally playing nobody. Um, both defenses are in play. Cleveland at 2,600. Pittsburgh's great home defense at 3,500. The problem is, you know, I don't know how much Cleveland really needs to open itself up in this game. They're a favored road team. Um, they're playing a, li a little bit better offensively. Um, you know, I mean, you could look at Nick Chubb here, but, the you know, the Steelers handle the run well. There's, there, there's so much to like on this slate for me, I'm just fading this game. You know, and again, really finding places to fade on this slate are wonderful because there's so many places you don't want to fade. So um, hopefully you guys see that one like me. But hey, you see something there you want, go for it. Uh, next up are uh, Green Bay at the Giants. And, you know, one thing about this game I want to hit at the outset, you know, very cold. Um, 35 degrees or less probably with a strong chance of rain. So, you know, I think this is a game to check the weather on. If for some reason the wind starts coming up, this could be a game to maybe get involved with, you know, uh, tangentially versus like playing the whole game because, it's, this, you know, the weather could take this game south. Um, now, the tons of stuff I like in this game, as long as the weather doesn't turn into an oppressive kind of area. And look, this is the Giants and the Packers. These are not teams that can't play in the cold, okay? I'm less worried about the cold uh, than I am about, uh, the, you know, the wind and the rain. Uh, so it's just, it's a game where the weather is a little bit nasty. So just take a look at it before you go all in on this game, uh, for what it's worth. Uh, but look, 
Sterling Shepard could get a lot of targets here. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Uh, Golden Tate's going to be out. Evan Ingram's going to be out. Um, the matchup is excellent. They're at home. Uh, the question uh, for the Giants, and it's the reason you might not want to go all in on Slayton. Like, I'd like to go all in on Slayton. Uh, but Green Bay rushes the passer well. Okay, we've got a, we've got a, a, a mismatch here when it comes to offensive-defensive line. The Giants are going to have some protection problems. Um, so I think in that sense... You know, like Sterling Shepard is probably a safe cash play, okay? Because I think uh, he almost has to get a lot of targets in this game, uh, especially if the Giants are having trouble protecting the quarterback. Uh, but a big day could be tough. Uh, whereas if the Giants end up pass protecting well, uh, Slayton could have a huge day. So I'm sort of, you know, I'm probably playing this like two-thirds to, uh, to Sterling, one-third to Slayton, but Slayton's the guy I hope is going to hit for me in the GPPs. Uh, Saquon could be an interesting player in this game. Uh, he could be the guy to go to if the weather is bad, because obviously this guy is a New York football player, he's a Penn State football player, a little cold rain ain't going to bother Saquon one bit, um, and his injury is not uh, a soft tissue thing, meaning you know it's not a hamstring or an Achilles or something that's going to tighten up on him. Uh, it's a pain issue with a high ankle sprain that he's been playing on now for a while. So I don't think we need to worry about, uh, you know, his health stuff, uh, which I think at this point he should be mostly passed at this point. I mean, the, the, the negative stuff from his high ankle, it's not going to heal, heal till the offseason. Uh, Barkley right now is probably about as healthy as he's going to get uh, as far as 2019 is concerned. Uh, so I'm really okay with Barkley. If the weather sort of milds up a little bit, as long as the as long as it's not supposed to be raining the whole game, and as long as the wind isn't going to be oppressive, uh, there's a lot to like here. And uh, all the people we've mentioned, but also Caden Smith with both tight ends out, and that's important. Remember, Ingram and Red Ellison both out. Caden Smith's going to be playing 80, 90% of the snaps. Uh, you know, he got about five targets, caught four or five of them last week, scored a touchdown. Uh, obviously, at 2,900 units, he is viable. And he's a way to pivot off of um, Tyler Higby, who we're going to talk about uh, in a little bit. On the Green Bay side, obviously, Aaron Jones is in play. Uh, you know, the Giants... Uh, definitely uh, are soft enough on defense to put Aaron Jones in play. Um, now, is there anybody else on Green Bay? I mean, you know, we could look at Jamal Adams. I'm not going to do it. I think all of their receivers are too thin. Their tight ends are too thin. Uh, but Devontae Adams at 7K against this team uh, that obviously is just not very good. Moreover, Rodgers, you know, he needs to get Devontae Adams heated up if he's going to have a chance to do anything this year and Green Bay obviously is in a position to do quite a bit uh the thing is their record is way out in front of the level of play that they've shown us most of the year so uh Green Bay needs to get right they need to get right before the end of the year they've got an excellent chance of being a playoff team uh but as currently constructed they're going to be out pretty fast um and it wouldn't surprise me if they started that process this week of trying to get Rodgers and Adams honed down um, and I think they're talking about using Jones more, and I think it makes sense, again, because they need to start getting their best face on the field. Um, you know, it's, it's important. Um, so in that sense, I think Adams at 7K uh, could be a pretty decent play this week. Um, man, we got a lot of ground to cover here. Sorry, folks, I am maybe a little bit too long-winded. We're already at a half hour, and we're only about halfway through. So I'll try to pick up the pace uh, and I know I'm hard to listen to at 1.5, so free so, apologies that I talk sort of fast, uh, but I'll see what I can do to up the pace here. Um, did I miss anything as we go back through this? No, we hit all the defenses we wanted to hit. Okay, um, 
Well, the one other thing I think I would say on this game is, again, as long as the weather doesn't get bad, I don't really like where Vegas is at on this game. Uh, I think they've got Green Bay right, but I think they're low on the Giants. I've got this game over 50 points if the weather isn't bad. If the wind comes up, if the rain is going to be throughout, then I think the you know the roughly 20, 26 to 20 line is, is, is okay. Um, all right, let's drop down to Redskins and Panthers. So this is another one of those games where you know, the line sort of tells us a little bit about what we're getting into. Um, it's a home game for Carolina. Washington can't do anything. Um, you know, you've got a team that's going to play a lot of zone against a quarterback that's going to struggle against zone. I mean, uh, Carolina's defense, you know, another one where I really like them, but we're going to have to pay. They're sort of like the Eagles, you know. Uh, I think I'd rather personally play the Eagles, to be honest, um, although it's close. Uh, but yeah, you got to pay for pay for either one of those defenses. Um, now, one thing about this game, well, a couple things. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a loose game because I think it could be a little bit of a blowout where the game flow almost becomes irrelevant if Washington gets behind enough. They're just going to try to play offense. So you know, if, if they're down three scores, they're not going to sit there and just pepper, 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 trying to get back in the game. They know they can't get back in. They're just going to try to play offense effectively. Um, so in that sense, I think Geis at 4,500 uh, could be an interesting tournament piece. Obviously, he's you know very risky. Uh, you know, uh, I, I got a, a little bit out over my skis on Geis uh, on the Week 12 slate. My apologies if any of you followed me into the breach on that. Um, but the guy I think could be interesting on the Washington side, and especially if I'm wrong and they do try to get back into the game, uh, is McLaurin, who's getting tons of targets. Uh, now, they're not the greatest targets. Uh, but against this zone, McLaurin could shock them with his speed and make a couple big plays. Wouldn't surprise me. At 5,600, I think some GPP exposure as a correlation piece on the other side of a Carolina stack could make some sense. Um, but the downside to this game is it's going to be slow. Carolina plays fairly slow. Washington plays fairly slow. There's going to be a lot of running. McCaffrey's going to run a lot. You know, Geis and crew, they're going to run. Um, so, you know, this game could disappoint just from an overall total play perspective so you know factor that in but on the other side McCaffrey's a great play even at 10.5k is a great play in this matchup uh DJ Moore has been lights out the last couple weeks uh game flow could mess you up so I wouldn't go too heavy on DJ Moore but I think getting some of him in tournaments is certainly worth it he is probably cash viable at that price as well uh Samuel has just you know Clearly, DJ Moore has better ball skills than Samuel. That's something we've talked about a lot. We knew that. Um, and he's more of a pure receiver than Samuel. We knew that. Uh, he's better at the catch point. That's something we knew like in a major, major way because uh, Curtis Samuel's strength is not the catch point, and DJ Moore's is. Okay, So, you know, there are differences between these two players. I think there is often sort of a tendency to think of them as sort of, you know, you know receiver A, receiver B. Um it's really not like that. Um, DJ Moore is excellent with the ball in his hands, but he's not as good as Samuel. Um, and, you know, DJ Moore is a good deep threat, but he's not as good as Samuel. Samuel will get behind the defense better. He'll make people miss more often in the open field. But his overall route ability, catch point ability, it's it's all behind Moore. It has been. Um, it, you know, maybe someday he catches up a little bit. But as of now, Moore is the better, air quote here, receiver. Um, and we've seen that over the last couple of weeks. But after all that long-winded whatever it was, these differences are not really 
Well, they're certainly not the only reason these guys are going in different directions. Part of it is the route tree. Uh, DJ Moore runs routes that Kyle Allen throws well. <laughs> and Samuel runs routes that Kyle Allen just butchers. I, I don't know if I've... And again, I watch too much of these damn games. Sometimes it's just you want to... You just want to scream. But I don't know if I've seen anybody in the entire NFL get more bad throws when he's open than Curtis Samuel this year. It's unbelievable. Uh, oddly enough, ironically, on the other side of the field, the guy in second place could be McLaurin. Um, so, you know, eventually the law of average is going to swing back towards Samuel. He's going to catch a couple deep ones. And I think in GPPs, um, using some Samuel instead of more, as long as you're willing to take the risk, because obviously the risk is substantial, uh, but the payoff would also be substantial, because this is the kind of game where... I mean, look, Samuel may end up with a game like last week where it's like 55 total yards and you're sitting there going, ah. But at 4,800, that's not going to definitely kill you. The other side of the coin is this guy could go over 200 yards with two scores. It's it's He's got that type of volatility. Um, so I think some, some exposure to Samuel in large field GPPs makes sense. Um, Olsen's been doing okay, but the involvement's been through the roof. Um I just, you know, for me to pay 4400 for a tight end who doesn't have multiple touchdown potential this week, I just can't do it. But it's, you know, he has been probably as involved as any tight end in the whole league. Uh, so that's that's pretty much where I'm at with this game. I uh, wouldn't consider anything else that I didn't mention on the Redskins side, including their defense. Um, and the one thing I would say about this game, you know, I wouldn't base my whole weekend around it. Um just because the potential volume could be down. We could have a really high run percentage on both sides of the ball, uh, which could limit the total amount of action. So just be wary of that when you're thinking about how much exposure do I want to this game. Um, now, the next game is a game I am not super fearful of being overexposed because um, we've got two teams that match up well for fantasy points. They match up well for pace. Um, a lot of people in this game that are priced effectively um, you know, uh, you know, the, the one thing we worry about here, you know, Jacksonville's interesting in that they rush the passer really well, but they don't defend the run at all. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side, we've got Tampa who likes to throw and, and doesn't like to do a lot of volume running. Uh, so there's a little bit of a weird thing, uh, within this game, that particular dynamic. Then we also have the, well, do we play Evans or Godwin? There's that whole thing. Um, you know, I'm a little bit on Evans. Uh, this week. Uh, but, you know, you could make a good argument for Godwin as well. Uh, my thing is, Evans just has these monster games, and I'm not going to have any GPP weeks where Mike Evans is below 7K and not in any of my lineups. Uh, I'm going to make it a priority to get a 69 nice price Evans into some of my GPP lineups. There's just no way I'm not going to do it. Um, I may throw some Godwin on the other side as well. Uh, the challenge there is that I got to pay up. I got to find 7,700 units to get to him. That's not that easy this week. Uh, Rojo, uh, uh, you know, um, yeah, at 5,100, uh, in a great matchup. If Arians decided to do it, you, you know, he could have a really big game here. But the downside to him is like literally almost nothing. So. You know, he's a guy to use in GPPs if you are doing enough lineups where some exposure to him, you know, makes sense. Uh, if you've got a Godwin lineup and an Evans lineup, throwing a Rojo lineup in there, you know, if you can afford it, if you can, you know, 
you know, I mean, the key to doing something like that, let me back up for a second, is that you need a lineup that you like with all three players. If you can find three lineups that all look really good, one with each of those players, I sort of like it because I think one of them just has to hit. Um, and there's a decent chance two out of three hit. And there's certainly a decent chance that all three, you know, pay off for the number uh, so you could still be competitive uh, in three separate uh, stacks. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to get involved with Tampa. On the other side of the ball, Jacksonville, Foles, love him here. Now, obviously, there's a lot of quarterbacks we like on this slate. You know, certainly Mahomes, if you can afford him. Obviously, um, you know, we're going to talk in a second about Lamar, uh, who I just love this week. But I think there's really... There's room to consider foals in cash if, you, if you're bold, and I definitely think there's some ways to play foals in GPPs in this game, which should be fast-paced, where the Jaguars should be throwing more than they're running, um, and with you know the receivers priced well. Shark is priced up at 6300 There's some really obvious pivots off of Shark, as I mentioned in the article. I even list uh, a few of them. Uh, but Didi at 5K is wonderful value, and Conley at 4500 Now, there's certainly a miss factor with him, uh, if the other, you know if the ball's going the other way. But at 4,500 against this defense, uh, with Conley really just getting targeted a ton, uh, you know that's hard not to like. Um, so there's a lot of fun ways to stack foals, and we know because of this game, there's a lot of great ways to play correlation on the other side. You could go Tampa Bay playing ahead with a Rojo correlation on the other side. You could just play the shootout correlation and play Evans or Godwin. Uh, if you had a lineup that you really liked, you could do the Jack stack with an Evans and with a Godwin. You'd have to mess it around a little bit. Um, you could do like Shark with Evans, Didi with Godwin, or Conley with Godwin, something like that. The, you know, I'm going into all this stuff just because there's all really a lot of ways you can effectively uh, play this game. So this is definitely Tampa Jacksonville, one of the games I love on the slate. Uh, I think the Jacksonville defense uh, a little cheaper uh, than those other defenses that we mentioned earlier. Meanwhile, you've got a great pass rush um, and reasonably good defensive backfield against uh, a quarterback who will make big mistakes when he's under pressure. He'll make big mistakes when he's trailing. Um, and I think you know there's a lot of strip sack touchdown potential here. There's a lot of pick six potential here. There's a lot of multiple pick potential here. There's a lot of sack potential here. So I think the Jacksonville defense really, um, I can think of a lot of good reasons to play them. Um, and I know that I'm going to have at least some exposure this week. <sighs> That was easy. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next game, which is another big, big game. Uh, you know, just to know what you're doing with on this slate. You don't have to be heavily involved, but I think you need to know what you're doing and, and who you're leaving and why you're leaving them. Okay, uh, and that's going to be um, San Francisco uh, at Baltimore. Crazy good game. Sorry about that. You can you can tell I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit now. Uh, a little pull in the water here. Excuse me. Um, so this game... You know, it's interesting. I'm not. I'm sort of fading the game, I guess, um, which is interesting in that it's got to be one of the more exciting games on the entire slate. Uh, I think it's a slow-paced game. That's the problem. Okay, you're talking about two teams that want to run. Um, you know, when you're talking about the 49ers, you're talking about arguably the best the best pass defense in football. Certainly one of the top two or three. Um, you know, and when you're talking about the Ravens, they run the ball better than anything. And the 49ers' relative weakness is the run defense. It's not bad. It's fine. But that's where they are weak, relatively. So, I mean, if you're the Ravens, 
I just don't see how your attitude with this game is that you're going to come in and throw the ball. Uh, I think you will throw the ball when the defense is allowing you to. You, you know, if, 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 if they start cheating to stop the run, then you might end up throwing some. Uh, and certainly you want some balance to your offense. But it, it just makes all the sense in the world that Baltimore is going to be home. They're going to like their defense in this spot. Um, I mean, when you look at the, the Ravens' pass defense is one of the best in the entire league. Um, and when you look at their run defense, they're third in terms of yard for carry, and they're, and they're getting better. So, you know, the Ravens have to feel confident about the way they play defense here. The only way they're going to get in trouble is if they start taking chances uh, for no reason. So, to me, Baltimore wins this thing, and they're going to make plenty of big plays. That They're not going to have to go too far outside of their system to do it. So, uh, I like Lamar at 7K. I'm fine with that. Um, and I think, you know, you could mess around with Hollywood Brown on a stack, although I don't think I'm going to. If I play Lamar, it's going to be naked. Uh, and then on the other side of the field, uh, and then, you know, the Baltimore running backs, the, you know, nobody really gets enough, uh, in my opinion, to be considered. I think they could end up with a lead here. So Edwards could get more juice than Ingram, conceivably. So to me, playing either one of those guys is inherently uh, problematic. Um, so really, everything on the Ravens side for me is a little too thin. Um uh, and again, I'm not paying up for tight end, so Andrew really isn't a thing for me this week. Um, the one thing I do like on the Ravens side, other than Lamar, is the defense. The defense is in such a great spot. you got San Francisco on the long road trip. They're probably going to be put in a position where they have to pass. Uh, Garoppolo is going to get sacked a couple times in this game. The idea that he could get picked, I think, is absolutely out there. Um, strip sack, touchdowns, pick sixes. That stuff is going to be in play in this game. Um, and Vegas has this thing 26-20. I'm seeing this thing more like 36-14. So, you know, for me, the Ravens defense, particularly uh, down at 2,800 on a week where, you know, we've talked about it already, a lot of the defenses I really like, i got to pay up to get to them. This Raven defense at home at 2,800 units where the way they're playing now is better than their year-long statistics. So it's possible not enough people will be on the Ravens defense. So for what it's worth, you know, the, the Lamar Ravens defense stack could be a play. Um Okay, let's, uh, you know, my apologies, we're already past 42 minutes here, um, so I'm going to get down, we're going to talk about these three um, late games, and we're going to get out of here. Okay, so, first up on the late games, um, I'm going to do Oakland at Kansas City. So, this is interesting, right? Oakland plays very slow. Um, man, and I can't remember who pointed it out to me, it might have been JM to win, but they've played slow even in some situations where you would expect them to play fast. And I know he's right because they did it against the Jets recently, and I was watching that game in real time. So the Raiders are interesting in that they'll play slow, even when it seems like they should start speeding up. Um, but let's get away from that for a second, because I think let's look at this more in terms of intentions going into the game. Obviously, this is in KC, and they're favored by about 10. Um so the fact that the Raiders can run could conceivably be on the shelf if they fall behind the way Vegas is intending them to. But they bring in a big-time running back in Jacobs. They've been using him a ton. You're going against a team that defends the pass better than the run. What the Raiders are going to do is they're going to come in and try to control the clock. They're going to try to run Jacobs. They're going to try to shorten the game. They're going to try to keep Mahomes off the field, keep their defense fresh. I know there's a lot of people in football who say that's not the way to play football. But if you look at this game, you look at the Raiders, folks, it's the way to play football. There's, they'd be lunatics to try it any other way. Um, 
So, will they be successful? If they are, they will shorten this game. And Mahomes at 7,400, it's going to be tough to pay off. Mahomes can play really well. He could throw a couple touchdowns, win the game going away, but still not pay off for us. So that's a factor. Oakland's going to try to lower your volume in this game. So, you know, think about that before you jump in with both feet and play this game, you know, up and down the line over all the others. You're going to want some exposure to things other than this game, okay? Having said that, Mahomes could go nuts here. It's a great matchup for him. Great matchup for Kelsey. Uh, now, we hate paying up for tight ends, but, you know, because we lose the ability to save. But Kelsey is such a good play. Now, I don't know if I'm going to do this, but you could use, like, a Caden Smith or a Tyler Higbee, who we're going to talk about in a second, and then use Kelsey as a flex. I mean, you could do it. It's a, it's a thought. It would be a way to get the best of both worlds if it were to work out. Um, and then the one other thing, look, Tyreek Hill's always in play at 8,300 units. Um, you know, again, he might need to do it on a short supply. He can do it. Uh, so, in, you know, a Mahomes to Tyreek GPP or a Mahomes to Kelsey GPP, uh, I'm fine with that. Uh, it's just not going to be something I lean in too hard on. Um, now, there's some real serious potential uh, for upside cost-saving options in this game. The problem is we don't know which one to play. Uh, Damian Williams is out. So really, LaShawn McCoy or Darrell with one L, Williams, uh, either one of them could end up being a huge factor. If Andy Reid decides to let one of them have a shot, have a huge game here. The more likely scenario is that they split, they both get in the area of 12 to 14 touches, and they pay off pretty well for their 4800 for McCoy, for McCoy 4400 for Williams price tags. So I don't know. I guess you could get involved with one of them in cash and figure it's going to pay off and allow you to do other things. Um, what I'd really love is to find that one of these guys is going to get more of the juice because then we would really have something. So this is probably sort of a keep your ear to the ground thing. If we find out that one of these guys is going to get the run, we have a play. Otherwise, we sort of have a cost-considered cost-saver, whatever you want to call it. Um, so that that's pretty much the way I see this game. I'm not really looking to get either one of the defenses involved. Um, let me see anything else. Well, you, here you know what one other th one other thing on this game that actually should be mentioned. It's going to be really cold with no rain, which isn't a factor. But at one o'clock the winds are up in the mid twenties. That's a problem. This game is a four o'clock start, however, and the the weather reports I'm seeing have the weather down into the high teens. Now the high teens for Mahomes, it's probably not a problem. But I would keep my eye on the wind because the wind and the weather, the timing can change. If that high wind ends up moving into the later afternoon and this game is being played in the 25, 26, 27 MPH area, then I think it's a reason to just stay the hell away from this game for what it's worth or maybe to get on the Oakland side of the game and just play uh, Jacob. So just keep your eye on that wind. 20 is a pretty good line of demarcation. Too far above 20, we want to start fading. Uh, below 20, when you've got a cannon like Mahomes, Probably not too big of a problem. Okay. This game is pretty big. This is one of my, you know, along with like uh, Tampa Jacksonville uh, and Jets Bengals, this is probably one of the games I really, really like. And that is Rams at Cardinals. Oh, sorry. I had to reach for the water again there. Uh, okay. We're getting near the end. I'm going to make it. But you guys thought I was kidding about my voice, man. Whew, it's been a long week. Anyway, um, this is this game's wild. Okay, there's so much going on here. First of all, both of the defenses are in play. 
um, for a couple reasons. The Cardinals are in play because this game is going to be fast-paced with a lot of points. Um, even though this is a good match for the Rams, they haven't been playing well. There's a lot of reasons to just sort of bet on the Rams to continue to struggle. Um, so you get a cheap Arizona defense at, 30, at 2,300 units uh, in a fast-paced game. So I think if I was going to pay down, that's probably where I'm going to pay down to. I don't think I'm going to be doing it, to be honest, but... I think they are a pay-down defense if you're looking for one. On the other side, I think Rams at 3,200 make a lot of sense just because, again, height and pace. Um, but here's the big part. I don't think I'm playing the Rams unless this Kyler thing comes to fruition. If Kyler's going to be playing significantly less than 100% or the backup is in, the Rams defense is way in play. Now, let's get to the plays here, okay? Cardinals are giving up the most touchdown passes in the NFL. Uh, the Rams need a win, okay? They are not eliminated from the playoffs yet. They're two games back of Green Bay and Minnesota. These are both teams that could easily collapse. I mean, who are we kidding? Uh, and Cooper Cup is an amazing matchup here. The problem is that you have to really, really stone up, man. You've got to... I'm not going to use the genitalia word, but you got to you got to put him on the table because you're playing a guy who just hasn't done anything for a couple weeks, and he's 7,100 units. But the pace, the matchup, everything is just screaming for Cooper Cup to have a big game here. So if you can find the stones, yeah, I went and did it. If you can find the stones, I think Coop and a GP, Cup and a GPP makes a lot of sense. I also think Gurley at 6,500 units in a good run matchup. He's been getting all the volume. Um, you know, that could be a big thing, especially if Kyler's hurt. If Kyler's hurt, I think Gurley at 65 could be a play. Um, Woods is priced well, 5,500. He's a decent play. Uh, Cooks, just, just haven't seen it from him enough recently. I don't think I'm going there. Uh, but the big thing on the Rams side of the ball is Tyler Higby, okay? Now, I, I should just, with, with you guys who, where you've been here, you're listening to this podcast, obviously it's not your first rodeo, um... And we've been talking all year. Everybody knows the Cardinals are just an absolute layup for tight end production. Now, let's factor in that this game's got pace. More so than, like, the, the, the Cardinals' pace factors into that being a matchup. But the Rams' pace adds to the Cardinal pace. These two, Both of these teams doing a lot of no huddle. All right? So now we've got enhanced Cardinal pace, plus the good matchup, plus Higby at the floor price, and... He's the only tight end that's going to be active because Everett is not going to be in the game. I, that, I mean, you know, month is going to be active, but he's not going to be a big factor. So Higby is going to be going unopposed at his position in a great matchup, in a game with pace, and the cost is at the floor. So Higby, at the very least, is a great way to open up salary, and it's not going to cost you a lot because he, he should. the odds on him not paying off at 25, man, they're pretty low. Now, the downside of Higby is that at this point, I was hoping people wouldn't pick up on this, but they really have. So everybody and their mother, anybody, well, some people will be scared off the Higby play because it's Tyler Higby. They're going to be like, I'm not playing Tyler Higby. That's crazy. But the smart people are going to play Tyler Higby. Okay. So I don't think it's going to be giving you any originality, but I think it's going to be giving you a lot of functionality. All right. Uh, on the other side, Kyler's a good play if he's 100% healthy. Wait for that information. Like they pretty much have to be just screaming. Um, He's fine. He's fine. He's starting. Otherwise, I'm fading him. Um, but again, the pace here is really good. Uh, and if you read Thorman, Pat Thorman's pace article, he's on it too. Um, and then, you know, Drake is another guy you can consider in this game. The matchup is sort of saying, eh, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I think Drake in a GPP makes a little bit of sense. And I think Kirk in a GPP makes some sense. But the obvious problem is 
the, the Rams front seven is going to mangle the Arizona front um, offensive line. It's going to be just destruction, okay? So if Kyler is immobile and he's under fire, I don't know how much Kirk is going to be able to get done working on the outside, which is where he's been. So while the Kirk at 57 is a real attention getter, the matchup makes me go away from it. That's sort of where I'm at. Uh, but having said that, I may take a flight of fancy like a little bit of a Kirk in, you know, in a GPP lineup or two. Uh, but it's not something I'm going to lean in on, even though the price makes me want to. But look, Jalen Samuels is on the other side of the field. Uh, the Rams have allowed Samuel to go around and play different spots. He's not only playing outside like he did when he was in Jacksonville. I'm, I'm feeling the avoid thing on that. Okay, last game on the slate. This one will actually be fairly quick. Um... Because this is a slow-paced game. Chargers at uh, Denver, both teams want to run. Both teams are going to have trouble running and passing. Uh, both teams have locked down corners. Uh, both teams can rush the passer. Um, there's not a lot of value on either side of this thing. I mean, you know, maybe Hunter Henry at 5,800. But, you know, this isn't a week I need to do that on Hunter Henry. And in a slow-paced game, I don't love it. Mike Williams is well-priced, and he's probably not going to get a lot of the tough matchup. Uh, but I don't know how much I like him in a game this slow. Um, you know, and you know, and then on the other side of the ball, you know, it looks like we're going to have Drew Locke at quarterback. So, you know, Drew Locke against, you know, a team that's getting Derwin James back, and they have good corners and a pass rush. You know, Bosa and Ingram, man, I, I'm not touching anything on the Denver side of the ball. Um, you know, I mean, you could maybe look at Sutton as a guy to put in a GPP in a comeback scenario. Certainly, Lindsay at 5K is getting more touches. Uh, you could use Lindsay in a GPP. I wouldn't touch him in cash. Uh, I think the really attractive thing in this matchup is the Chargers defense at 3,100 units um, against a Denver team that's going to be trotting out a quarterback who's extremely raw, who has been on the shelf most of the year, who's going to be throwing to largely covered receivers. Um, I think just playing against the Drew Locke first start uh, could be a really smart thing to do here. And again, 3,100 units relative to the defenses we like this week uh, really isn't that much money. And that's the slate, folks. Uh, I really hope um, that some of this was instructive for you guys, so it was informative. Uh, that was a good 50 minutes we did on the slate. Uh, discounting the uh, marketing stuff I did at the very beginning. Um, and my voice is starting to go, so I am not going to do a positional wrap-up here just because it might be too painful to listen to. If I do make a lot of headway between now and tonight, uh, I may throw up a quick pod tomorrow morning. Uh, so look for that. If I'm going to do it, I'll mention it on the show with Jim, and I will throw it out on Twitter so you know it's coming. Uh, but I think I gave you guys a lot to chew on here. The one thing I just want to throw out is really just to reiterate what I said in the beginning. This is a week with a lot of FOMO. There's going to be a lot of plays you want to make and unless you're just rolling in money and time, it's going to be tough to make them all. So I think it's a really good week. You know, as, as B.B. King says, you got to pay the cost to be the boss. And I think if you want to be the boss this week, you got to pay the price. And to me, the way to do that is to really map out how you see the slate playing out before you enter into lineup construction. Profile the slate, profile the games you want to play, then start putting your chips in place. I think it'll work out better for you that way. Okay, I've said it a couple times, I'm not going to say it again. Once again, for those of you who have enjoyed Rotobahn throughout the season, 
consider giving us a donation. For those of you who've only listened to the pod, who haven't been on the site, what are you doing? There's all kinds of free stuff for you on the site. So check out rotobond.com if it's something you haven't been doing. Um, so again, thanks to all of you for uh, being part of this all season. Uh, we're closing in on 10,000 downloads uh, just since the beginning of training camp. And, you know, for you know a small one-man pod, uh, it's something we can hang our hat on. Uh, but again, donations at rotobond.com for those of you who are considering doing so. It's very much appreciated. Big slate today. So do your homework. Get all those ducks in order. Get some sleep tonight. Wake up. Construct some killer lineups. Make some money. And hopefully, hopefully, we're going to see a whole lot of you guys on Tuesday for the waiver wire. Because seeing a lot of you means we've got a lot of teams in the playoffs. So let's uh, make some money this weekend. Let's qualify for some playoffs. Maybe let's put some teams into the bye weeks so we don't have to play week 14. And let's have some fun before we get to Christmas, all right? Giddy up, folks. See you tomorrow.